Welcome to The Notice, where together we notice the mercy of God. I'm Susan Hookstra, your host. The Notice podcast explores our need to be noticed through biblical musings and conversations with special guests, experience relevant topics and encouragement as we take notice of how the God of mercy satisfies. On this episode of The Notice, how do you feel when someone invites you into their home? Maybe it's a party or an intimate dinner with just a few people, or maybe it's just a one-on-one conversation where we really get to know someone. On this episode of The Notice, I speak with author and speaker Sue Donaldson. We discuss hospitality in its simplest form. Sue will share some great examples of hospitality from different Bible characters, and we'll explore how God takes notice when we just open our doors. Sue Donaldson and her husband, Mark, have been married 33 years. She lives in San Luis Obispo, California, (laughs) taught high school English part of the time in Brazil with Wycliffe Bible Translators, and she and Mark have raised three daughters who keep them at the bank and on their knees. She loves connecting people to one another, to God, and to his word, and has been speaking for the last 20 years or so. Sue loves connecting women to God, his word, and each other, whether around her table or at a woman's event. Her blog, Welcome Heart, Knowing and Showing the Heart of God, and her weekly podcast, Make It Count, Living a Legacy Life, along with her many books on hospitality, have encouraged and uplifted many. So, Sue, welcome to The Notice. Thanks so much for having me, Susan. I look forward to our conversation. Well, Sue, I have a confession to make. When I heard the word hospitality, uh, my body tensed up. Oh, no. Why is <laughs> just, that? You're not the first one, honey. But. Yeah, just the thought of it reminded me of my, too much of Martha Stewart. But I've been praying that God would lead someone to this podcast so we can notice hospitality in a different light. And God did. And in your book, Come to the Table, you ask readers a few questions, which I want to ask you. And the first one is, why open our homes? Isn't it too much trouble, work, mess, and risk? It can be all of those things. In fact, when I speak on it I always list 17 reasons why not to do hospitality oh wow and and if I had to face all 17 in one day I would not open my door either Susan but there's one main reason to go ahead and do it anyway I have found through many years that when we invite someone into our homes that there's a whole different level of the intimacy of the relationship and we get to show off God's welcoming heart. That's why my blog is called Welcome Heart. He is the ultimate host. As you know, he invited you at one time to uh, come to know him. And you said yes. And there are people up and down your street, most likely, who don't go to church or who don't even know that God is noticing them. And they would not, more than likely, not come to church the first time you ask them, but they would come over to your house for store-bought muffins from Costco or Trader Joe's mm-hmm. or Aldi's, wherever mm-hmm. you live, 
and coffee, even if you had to buy the coffee, if you couldn't make coffee, they would do that far more aptly than they would to come to church. So I feel like it is a mission of a follower of Christ to open our homes. But I know people get the heebie-jeebies about it. And so that's why I talk about all the times I did it so or continue to do it imperfectly and all the mistakes I've made because I've learned that God does the real work anyway in inviting someone to his table through my simple hospitality. So maybe we need to redefine what hospitality is. So what do you think most people think of it as and what, how would you recharacterize it? You talked a little bit about that. Yeah, I'm not a Pinterest person nor a Martha Stewart person. Oh, thank, sister, thank you, thank you. <laughs> my sister sent me a um, a tea towel which I've lost through the years. I take it with. I used to take it with me when I speak, and it says, "What would Martha do?" And then it has a line through it. And my girlfriend thought it meant to do with Martha and Mary and Martha, but it has to do with Martha Stewart. <laughs> what would Martha do? I don't know. I wouldn't do it like her. And I don't have a staff. I just uh, like to do it simply. So to answer that wonderful question, I feel there are two main differences between entertaining and hospitality. In the old days, entertaining, you could interchange it. And people do that today still. And when they do that, that's what stops them from doing it because they have this image of an elaborate table setting with with, um, beautiful decor and really great food. In fact, I remember my mother saying, oh, Sue, I met this great new friend in my church, and she just does the most wonderful entertaining, and she she hires a cook for that night. And I thought, well, Mom, that's, that's not hospitality. That's entertaining, and if I had the money, I'd do that too. But the two main differences in my mind are that uh, hospitality has to do with focusing on the guest, and entertaining often has to do with focusing on the host, so when I oh. am uh, being impressed with myself, that's when I am really doing more entertaining than I am hospitality. And oh, then the that's purpose good. is that's also good. different. The purpose is so different, too, because the purpose of hospitality is to serve the guest. And the purpose of entertaining can often be to impress the guest. So I have to admit, um, I have run around, I've run around like a chicken with its head cut off right before guests were arriving, you know, snapping at the kids or barking at my husband. I told you to start the fire, blah, blah. Put the dog in the kennel Mm, before they come. Guilty, guilty. You know, guilty, guilty. I can still do that, but I am learning not to do that so much because that's when I am really, we need to be hospitable first and foremost to our own families. And if we're always doing that, they will grow up not wanting to have anybody over because of the way their mother went crazy. So if I'm constant, if I'm concentrating and focused, like tonight I'm having uh, six or eight women over. And then next week I'm having about 20 over. I just send out these blanket invitations and then they bring their friends, which is really fun too. But if I am worried about my house, or I'm worried about what I'm going to serve, or what they're going to think of me, I'm entertaining. Right. But if I spent time, my quiet time this morning, offering each guest, unknown guests, because I don't know who, how many are coming to Jesus, that he would fulfill their need through me, then that's hospitality. Mm, nice, nice. But those 17 reasons, they get us stuck. Can you just name a couple of those 17 reasons? Oh, yeah. The first and foremost is I was not raised in a hospitable home. Therefore, I can't do it or I don't know how or I don't want to. Or actually, underlying is they don't see the value. 
because they haven't experienced it. So I have a great story about my mother. She was raised in the Depression, and she was a pastor's daughter. But she said, Sue, sometimes we didn't even have enough food for ourselves, so we didn't have a lot of company. And then, but she was, she raised me with a lot of hospitality. So I go, well, what happened in the meantime? If you weren't raised with it, but you raised all five of your kids with it. And so she goes, well, when we were first married, they had two kids. They live in uh, New Jersey. She said, your dad invited the whole deacon board over for pie and coffee. And she said, Sue, I could make pie, but I didn't know how to make coffee, which Mm. is kind of the opposite nowadays. And so um, I, I cut up all the pieces of pie and put them on all the plates. And then I served vanilla ice cream on each of the plates. And then I went to get the coffee pot off the stove. And this was probably in the 40s or 50s. And she could not get this vacuum top off the coffee pot. And she said, Sue, I had to wait 30 minutes for it to unseal. And by then, the ice cream had melted all over the plates. I said, and she goes, and I was mortified. I said, Mom, I'm mortified just listening to you tell that story. Mm -hmm. I said, why didn't Mm -hmm. you just serve the dessert and say the coffee was the real dessert? She goes, well, Sue, I I would do that now. I would Mm -hmm. do that now. Mm -hmm. But then I was so insecure, I didn't think to do that. I go, besides mom, you're, you know, mm-hmm. they were probably all engineers mm-hmm. and they would have loved coming into your kitchen and trying to figure out this coffee pot. Yes, I would do that now, but not then. Why? Because she hadn't practiced it. But through the years, see, I had no, I had never heard that story before. Never. I'm the fourth of five children. And I said, wow, you've really changed. She goes, oh yeah, I just practiced with your uh, with my favorite sister-in-law and we had, and I knew that cause I grew up with, with her and uh, we had company every Sunday. We either went to my aunts or we came to our house. Mm-hmm. And so that comes through practice. And Philip Yancey has a wonderful phrase called breaking the chain of ungrace. See, my mother was not raised with hospitality, but she uh, with God's help and my aunts broke that chain of ungrace so that we five kids, we know how, to do hospitality because we were raised with it. So when I speak on this, I just encourage the young moms or even the older moms, hey, start today because you are influencing the next generation. So my three kids, they know how to run a room. Even my most introverted child knows how to do hospitality. She may be a little less comfortable than our extroverted sisters, but she knows how to do it. Why? Because we had those soccer teams in for the positive parties and we've had baby showers and we've had company for dinner and we've had missionaries who've been visiting. And that gives them the comfort and knowing how valuable it is. So number one is you're not raised with it. A couple of us, and I won't go on with long stories like that one, but I just think that one's so significant. We can change that. We can change that Mm -hmm. for our next generation. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the main reasons why you should do it really it's for the sake of your children so that they don't get the heebie-jeebies when they think when when someone looks at them at church and says hey will you host the next women's bible study luncheon they will say yes i can do this with your help and you know the other thing sue is apologizing for yourself because when you feel insecure you're constantly apologizing i'm sorry that i did my oh somebody would say oh this pie is so good you go oh well it's not as good as i usually make it yeah or something (laughs) And then we start then, then, but that's why I loved what you said, because then you start making it about you and the entertaining instead of, so tell me what's God doing in your life or, or how are you things going with your, your son now or, or or whatever the conversation that could get to a heart issue with a woman Mm -hmm. instead, what are we doing? We're putting the emphasis on us. Totally. And a couple of other, um, you asked for some other reasons. One is, uh, you're too tired. That's legit. 
you know, it's a legitimate reason. You're mm-hmm. too tired. You're too broke. Often it's, I don't uh, know what to say once people come in the house. That's why I've written two books on conversation starters. I love Because like you, like you just said, you know, what is God doing in your life? I have these uh, dessert nights and I invite Christians and non-Christians. And so I don't ask a Christian question, but I ask questions that get them to talk, reveal a little bit who they are underneath the surface. But I start with a surface question because I don't want them to feel uncomfortable. Like the women coming tonight and next week, they don't know each other. I know them from the gym. I know them from the neighborhood. I know them from church and they bring friends because they know that their friends are going to have fun and they want their friends to meet people from different generations so for example the last one I did I had 11 women one night and 11 women the next night and we did it outside because of the shutdown and I asked um who would you go on a road trip with and where would you go if you had any choice and so the first gal just and she was an introvert she goes oh don't start with me I go, but I knew her so I said go ahead Jenny you start and she said well I think I would drive up the west coast up into Washington and Taylor Swift would be my companion <laughs> and of course we all died laughing and I said well you wouldn't have to turn on the radio that way but my <laughs> second question was um how have you been brave this last year and see oh. how that's just a little deeper. So you get the yeah. laughter out of mm-hmm. it. And then even the brave question had a lot of funny answers as well. Um, and so I've learned that people like to talk about themselves, even shy yeah, people. They do. If you ask the right they question do. and they feel noticed, like your podcast is right. all about. Right. And, you know, there's different seasons of life, right? Mm-hmm. There's different seasons where we, we, we're raising small children or we're an empty nester or we're, our kids are busy in soccer or whatever in high school. What ways can we kind of just be open to making and those invitations and drawing people to our home? Because there are ways that you can invite people into, into your world, into your life, into your home without having to go real all out. You know, just say, hey, why don't you come oh. over? We'll just order some pizzas. Oh yeah, something I, like I rarely, that. I didn't know what you meant because I rarely go all out. This happened with me as a guest. I was a missionary for a few years and um, family that supported me at quite an amount, a big amount of money. I wasn't used to having a large amounts. Usually everybody just gave 10 or $25 a month, but they gave a lot more. And so when I came home, they wanted to have me over for dinner. And what we did was we sat on the floor in the living room and they ordered pizza. And I thought, oh, this is so great. And, but it wasn't elaborate and they had the money. They just mm-hmm. felt more comfortable doing it that way. And so that's mm-hmm. one thing I teach on is that you do it your own style because Susan, when, you, when I do it my own style, then I'm relaxed. If I'm trying to do it like you or I'm trying to do right, it like my friend right, Cecily right, right. or someone with matching linen napkins, then I'm running around trying to iron the napkins. Well, I don't iron as a matter of principle, so I can't really do that. But the whole idea is if I'm trying to be someone else, then again, the emphasis is on myself and I'm not comfortable. And if I'm not comfortable, I'm not thinking about you, my guest, right? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't mean I'm always feeling like free and easy. I still get nervous about things, but that's when I have to give it over to the Lord and say, Lord, keep help me keep my focus on the person that you have brought into my life. I mean, I've been outside, you know, walking the dog or strolling a baby and someone drove by and stopped. This was years ago. And she goes, hi. I go, are you new? And she goes, yeah. I go, well, would you like to come in for brownies? She was amazed I had brownies. I go, well, I just make them for myself. So I happened to have them on the counter. Mm -hmm. And she brought her two kids in and we were friends for years until they moved to Southern California. Mm -hmm. So it's very spontaneous. One of my tips for being prepared is whenever, if you like to bake, 
especially with cookie dough, I will do it uh, one and a half amounts. So I've not doubled the recipe exactly, but you know, one and a half. I have it all written down in my cookbook, the measurements for that. And then I just make, I just cook enough for like a sheet of cookies. And then I give them to the neighbors or kids or whatever, or eat them. Mm-hmm. But the rest I roll in wax paper or saran wrap, just logs of cookie dough and stick them in a Ziploc and stick them in the freezer. And that way you're always ready with something mm, to serve mm. because you just I have like to take them on the freezer. Like if you have to microwave them, fine. If not, sometimes when you're making the coffee, they defrost enough and you preheat the oven and there you have, there's really nothing like hot baked chocolate chip cookies well, out of the oven. But, you know, so those are some simple ways that we can prepare ourselves for those moments that we don't know are going to happen. And when we think of hospitality, many of us go to that Martha and Mary story, right? Right. But aren't there some other examples in the scriptures for us to consider about why we should be uh, inviting people into our home? Well, um, Zacchaeus is a famous one. Only um, Jesus invited himself to his house. And I, I love that story, but I thought, am I... Am I ready to have Jesus come in my front door? You know, do mm. I have to clean more? Well, he's not really worried about the dust, but he does want my heart open to what he has to tell me, and he will bring his friends. So maybe that's what my hospitality is tonight. He's bringing people in that I don't know, but he wants to make sure that I am a conduit uh, of his welcome to them. So to keep that in mind, I just think that's so great. Also, when he was... Uh, with the women at the well, you know, he was, he was saying, will you give me something to drink? And then he turned it around to offer her living water. So he was really into conversation starters, you know, and answering her questions in a deeper way. She wasn't, she wasn't thinking about living water. She was thinking about having a break, about having to go get the water. And then one of my favorites is in, I can't remember if it's Matthew or John, but he calls the disciples to come and I have breakfast and, uh, when you read that close, and he says, and bring the fish, because they were out fishing. And he goes, come and have breakfast. He had fish, but he still told them to bring the fish. And so I love that, because that to me is God has provided everything I need for tonight for me to invite someone over. But he will still include me in it. You know, he's provided, but he says, Sue, and if you want to and have the time, also do this. So so I call it the first Baptist potluck because they were invited (laughs) to bring fish. And then they had uh, a great breakfast. But what was the most important thing about that chapter and about that breakfast? It was when Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me? And And every time Peter said, you know, I love you. You know, I love you. And I loved it because, you know, Peter denied Christ three times. And yet here he was given the opportunity by his beloved Savior to be forgiven because he was saying, hey, I love you times three. And it kind of like switched the tables there. Jesus had already forgiven him, but we don't forgive ourselves. And so Jesus was giving him this question. Do you love me? He goes, yes, I love Then feed my sheep. What was the most important thing about that breakfast? The fish? The bread or the conversation? Mm. God used a breakfast to change a man's life. What a privilege we have, Susan, to open our homes so that God can transform a person's life. I mean, I've had a gal at my table grab my hand and say, okay, I'm ready. And she prayed to accept Christ. Why? Because I had a three-course meal? No, I had invited her for chocolate chip pancakes. Then I invited her to church. Then I invited her for coffee. 
And then like the fourth time she said, okay, I'm ready. It has nothing to do with what I served. It's that I invited and that God led and that God readied her heart. So what I hear you saying is those small invitations are giving us an example of how different ways God invites us. And he okay. invites us yes. to the table. He, he and he does it in all kinds of different ways. And there's different gateways to doing that. And, you know, you mentioned in one of your books, you say, hospitality began with God. He invites you to know him personally. And once you do, he asks you to send his invitation to your world. So when you offer an invitation to another, aren't we essentially taking notice of someone? Oh, absolutely. I feel like loneliness is an epidemic in the United States, no matter how much social media we have. And of course, perhaps it was accentuated during the shutdown. My husband is an extreme introvert, so he loved it that I couldn't invite anybody over <laughs> for a long time. Uh, but we live in California, so I could do it outside. But oh, totally. When, when we notice even uh, my friend Christopher, he's homeless. He sits on the... Uh, his back up against our grocery store where I walk my dog and he reads science fiction books. So I have left him bags of science fiction books and muff. Well, I don't leave muffins there because I'm afraid an animal will come, but I've given, you know, dropped off leftovers, hot food from Thanksgiving. I invited him for Thanksgiving, but he said, Oh no, thank you. You know, he didn't mm -hmm. feel comfortable coming. So we're kind of pals, but I feel like when I say hello, sometimes I walk on the opposite side of the street for whatever reason, and he'll look for, up from his book and give me a wave. Mm. And I'm thinking, Lord, how can I share your gospel truth with this man who has no teeth, who doesn't want to come to my house, who uh, is reading and by himself, I'm not sure where he sleeps, though my husband has seen him in a sleeping bag up a, a block or so because my husband walks really early in the morning. I'm not sure what God's going to do with that, but if God brings us someone in our lives, don't, don't forget that they are loved by God just as much as God loves me, right? I just happen to be in this nice home and I have uh, clean sheets, well, when I wash them, and I have food to eat and other people don't. And, and yet the rich people, the wealthy people can be just, just as unnoticed by, by anybody mm -hmm. unless we go out of our way to invite them. Oh, let me tell you this story. Uh, my husband's a physician, and when we were first married, I met some of these other doctors' wives, and I didn't know what that meant to be a doctor's wife, but it sounded kind of like out of my range of experience, but my husband's very humble, and I met this woman at a wedding. We're sitting close to, uh, nearby, and I said, oh, yeah, I'd like a bigger kitchen. I want my husband to build a, me a bigger kitchen, and, and so we'll have to do some remodeling, and and she goes, oh, yeah, I like a big kitchen. And I said, well, how big is your house? She goes, 9,000 square feet. I thought to myself, <laughs> now, that, I bet she has a bigger kitchen than me, right? Mm -hmm. So what I did, Susan, is I invited her for lunch. And, and we had the best time, you know. She just liked to be invited, you mm -hmm. know. And that's, mm -hmm. that was before our remodel. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then she invited me for lunch. And I remember that morning I told my husband, I asked my husband, you better pray for me that I don't covet when I go over to Janet's house. <laughs> he said, if you covet, that's your problem. That's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was, there you go. He was right. And I prayed about it and I went there and I just had the best time and I oohed and awed over everything. But, you know, we became friends so that when her daughter had a car accident, I took coffee over to the hospital just for her. You know, things like that, a way mm -hmm, to have mm -hmm. God. Uh, I, I call it a hospitality mindset. So uh, 
or like get your antenna ready. So every Uh day uh when you wake up in the morning to say, who do you want me to notice today for your sake? That's it right there, right there. You say that, Mm -hmm. I say, who do you want me to invite? Mm -hmm. And I don't mean necessarily in my home, though there there is a sweetness about getting someone over the threshold into your house, even when there's laundry on the couch and dishes in the sink. And, you know, we did remodel for 13 years and people would come in and there'd be no ceilings, no walls really. So I'd have to give them one of those heated rice packs to put around their back. I made, I cut up an old tablecloth and I made it, I bought a lot of rice, like 20 pounds. And I sewed, I'm not a seamstress, but I could do a straight stitch. And I made these rice packs. And so when my friend's husband left her after 40 years, after 40 years, she said, I just don't like eating alone. So I said, well, would you like to come for dinner? By the way, we have no walls and it's freezing. She didn't care, but I met her at the door with two rice packs, one for her shoulders, one for her back. And then throughout the dinner, I'd stand up and I could put them in the microwave. And the house was a disaster. Did she care? No. She never has And that's that's a good reminder to all of us that that authenticity of life makes you when you invite somebody in and your place isn't all it should be, oh, totally. there's a certain safety and authenticity that you represent that makes somebody feel more comfortable to talk and oh, to talk totally. about issues of the heart, which are more important. In your uh, Bible study, you wrote lessons from the ultimate host. You say the ultimate host is Jesus. So when we host, how can we put ourselves in a place to surrender to the Holy Spirit to nudge us to do those invites? I want to say to the Lord every morning, help yourself to my life, which is a different way of saying I surrender all. The old hymn, I surrender all. Mm -hmm. And help yourself sounds like um, someone who has a lot of extra food on the counters. And I love to have college kids over because they'll help themselves. You know, they want seconds. Well, I want God to help himself to me. And Susan, you know that any good gift that we can give another has been given to us by God. So I can't ever think I'm pretty cool or uh, get a big head about hosting. Anything I've done to bless somebody else has been from the Lord. So that comes through, what is it, in Romans where you say, I give my whole self to you. Mm-hmm. I, I give myself on the altar. And then we have a problem with crawling off the altar. But when we're up on the altar, God's going to say, okay. Um, I love Oswald Chambers. He says, be a broken bread and poured out wine. And so mm-hmm. I want my life to be broken bread and poured out wine, even if it's Hawaiian punch and donuts. You know, I want to be that broken for Christ. And so that's how you do it. You just say, Lord, I, if you're listening to this today, audience, and you say, well, I could never invite strangers into my home. Never say never when God is concerned. That's because right. it's the Holy Spirit that transforms my life into being someone who um, models Jesus' invitation. I don't want to invite like Martha does. I want to invite like Jesus does. And I can't do that because I'm weak. I mean, I've been praying about my neighbor across the street and windows are open for years. We've lived in this house for 31 years. He is a delightful person, but I don't think he knows Jesus. And I remember years ago praying over it. And God just said, Sue, you don't save people. I do. That's right. Just keep inviting him Mm -hmm. into your life. Amen. And we do. 
Mm-hmm. For listeners out there, you can learn more about hospitality and kind of the conversation that Sue and I are having by getting one of her books on Amazon. You can read her blog or listen to her podcast. You can find it at her website at welcomeheart.com. So Sue, thank you for being here today. And I want to close our conversation with this dedication you gave in your book, which I loved. And it was just, it was for your mother. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like this just resonated with me. You said, For my mother, Betty Elizabeth Moore, who invited the world to her door, opened it wide, and expected everyone to end up in the kitchen. But yeah, it was great. She did it to make friends and also to invite the world to her door. I want to invite your listeners, too, if they are interested in this topic or just having some friends in the topic, I have a free Facebook group, which I forgot to tell you about. It's called Welcome Heart, Welcome Home. Welcome heart, welcome home. And you can just put that in your Facebook and it'll pop up. And uh, we talk about the best way to make a potato salad or why we don't do hospitality when we don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, we mm-hmm. just have very candid conversations and it's and it's free. So if you want to join us and talk more about that, I hope you will. And I hope you will too, Susan. I need to invite you. Yes, sounds good. So thank you for your invitations and sure. for, for helping us to just get better and more comfortable at inviting others. I'm so glad you joined me for season three of The Notice. This season, we're going to continue to look at ways God notices us and how we can take notice of God and others. Be sure to tune in for some talks on how God notices us through mentorship, social media, and art. Also, with the release of the book, A Firm Grasp, Feeling Validated in a Noticing World, I've been happy to be a frequent guest on Proclaim FM 102.3 in Toledo, Ohio, discussing different chapters of the book. Tune in on iHeartRadio most Wednesday mornings from 8 to 9, as host Rebecca and I unfold just some of what you'll find in the book. Of course, you can always get a copy of the book on Amazon, and be sure to write a review. Stay tuned for more podcast episodes and soon a free 30-day e-devotional is coming. As always, I appreciate your support. Until next time, take notice.